Today, uh, we come uh, in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. I hope that you have your Bibles before you. Uh, um, Open them up now, if you do, to Exodus chapter 4. This is the last time we'll be opening up here uh, to Exodus 4. This is the end of the series. Uh, Isn't that crazy? I I started a sermon series for this COVID-19 season, uh, and it's titled this, God Hears His People the call of Moses. That took us through Exodus 1, 2, 3, and half of chapter 4, and we're there today. Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 17. Good Lord willing, this will also be uh, the last sermon that y'all will see for the foreseeable future in my basement. Uh, God might have other plans for us, but if the Lord is to will and work ordinarily as we are seeking to do this thing, we'll be in the sanctuary next week. A whole lot of things are changing. A whole lot of things have changed. There's so much stuff happening in our country and in the world right now, but a couple things have not changed. And I hope that you remember this. And I hope that you already know this and that I'm simply reminding you of it. But, but God hasn't changed because God does not change. That's what he tells us. And that's what we see in his word. Uh, he doesn't even change. His shadow doesn't change. Like when the sun rises and our shadow goes with us. No, not with God. He does not change at all, and he has revealed himself as good to his people. God has not changed. And there's another thing that hasn't changed either. It's his desire for us, his people. It's his call on us. I mentioned that earlier a little bit with evangelism, but there's more. There's praise of his name. There's righteous living. There's so much that's involved with that, but that hasn't changed. We as a people following the Lord Jesus, picking up our cross daily, these things haven't changed, even though everything around us seems like it is literally melting down. We stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and that is exactly the main point for today. It's a culmination of this whole sermon series. God hears his people, the call of Moses. And this is the main point of the whole sermon series and of today's verses, uh, uh, verses 10 through 17. God gives salvation. It is the main point, not only of this word, but of God's word to us on this earth. Believe it. He has told us such things. Let me pray for this word before we read it, because it is powerful, uh, more powerful than mere human words. These are God's words uh, uh, being extended to us from him. And so it is worth our time to pray for that power and efficacy to truly change our hearts. Pray with me now for this word being read. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do pray for the reading of your word, that indeed it would uh, change us, change our hearts, our souls, our very being, that we would be different from this time on, and God, that we would glorify your name all the more. Lord, convict us of our sin and comfort us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do it at the same time. May we be different people after this. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 17. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go. 
and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of God, it stands forever. We'll have it in heaven. We'll have this word right here with us forever. And so may the Lord grant us understanding of it today. Remember that main point. God gives salvation. It seems so simple. It seems so obvious. And yet it is the most important thing that we could ever consider. God gives salvation. Three points that I think will help us. Number one, purposeful giving of salvation. Number two, prepa- uh, preparation, preparing uh, us for salvation. Then number three, provision. God provides salvation. Purposeful, preparing, providing. Three P's for the good Presbyterian. First, we have purposeful God working for us. Uh, verses 10, 11, and 12. Hear me well when I say this. Human weakness does not mean God hindering. Let me say it again from the very beginning. Human weakness does not mean God hindering. Even as Moses makes the case for his own inadequacy, God reveals his beautiful purpose. It's in verse 12 of our text today. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God himself saying he's going to be with Moses. And and, and here's the point, and you saw it already. Uh, Moses did not believe God. Uh, Moses focused in on his weakness. Moses looked only there, and his faith tanked, and he did not look and see exactly the blessing that God was saying he would do, which was be with his very mouth. Because, by the way, uh, it seems like perhaps Moses had some kind of speech impediment or just could not get those words out appropriately. Uh, some think that uh, the uh, tra- you know he, he grew up in the Egyptian court, and so maybe he just didn't have that good dialect, you know? Uh, he didn't have that good southern accent or something like that, or maybe... Honestly, it was probably more like uh, someone who speaks only French trying to say hard words in English, right? Uh, It doesn't really translate and vice versa. Uh, Whatever it might have been, there was a weakness and God had a beautiful purpose for it. We see that in verse 12. I will be be with your weakness. I, I will be right there. But Moses did not believe. Have you ever considered that the weaknesses in your life were meant to turn your eyes unto God, that he might be with you in that moment, in that weakness, and teach you how to trust him more and more. At the end of the day, God gives salvation because our weaknesses are so many. Uh, we have weaknesses. We have frailty. We are sinful. We do not, uh, we do not meet the mark. 
That's what Jesus did for us in his life. As I prayed, uh, we say it's the gospel. Jesus is God. He took on flesh, and so he lives this life as a man. But, but he doesn't do it like us. He does it perfectly. He's not corrupted or tainted. He doesn't choose to sin. He chooses to be righteous the whole time. It's built into him, and he does not sway to temptation or anything else. And he moves with a desire to glorify the Lord on mission to save his people. And that's what he does on the cross when he dies. He saves us because God pours out all that wrath that we deserve. And when we cast our eyes upon Jesus, when we believe in the Lord Jesus, there's a transfer. Jesus gives us his perfection and he takes from us our sinfulness. It's the great transfer, the great exchange. And all of a sudden we stand perfect in the eyes of God, ready to serve him, not to be saved, but because we have been saved and we are now free from those shackles, that slavery, that bondage of sin. And now we can choose that which is right and move in righteousness that we never could before. The desires of our hearts have been changed and we couldn't tell you why except God did it. The new birth, being born again, that's that testimony that all who would uh, profess, that's what they have as they cast their eyes upon Jesus, that gospel. But uh, what Moses has here. Uh, he, he has this belief, but, but he's hindering an intense and wonderful and beautiful moment of potential growth and intimacy between himself and God. He quenched the Holy Spirit, if you wanted to use New Testament terminology. In his own sin and disbelief, he chose his own weakness over God's strength. Here is the application. What are your weaknesses? What are they? Could you tell me? Could you tell yourself or your spouse or your friend, whomever, what are your weaknesses? Where do you sin? I'm sure you've been trying to hide it, maybe ignore it, put it kind of back here somewhere. We don't have to worry about it. But, but what we do when we do that, when we hide, when we look away, when we flee, when we try to act like we're perfect, when we try to act like we don't have weakness, is we hinder that wonderful opportunity where God says, I'll be with you there. I'll be with your mouth if you cannot speak. Oh, I will be with you in that sin. If you cry out to me, that weakness that you feel like you cannot control, where you feel like you are still bound, let me free you and let me show you what it is to live a life after me in freedom rather than a life of bondage and slavery to that sin that drives you nuts and you wake up every day regretting what you did the night before. You wake up every day wondering why it is you do the things that you do. You get so frustrated at yourself. All of these things start to cloud your mind. No. God says, let me show you. I'll be with you. I will move and breathe and have you move and breathe. And when you do it, you will see that your weakness has become strength. And that is what Paul said, isn't it? When I am weak, then I am strong. Moses is having a when I am weak, then I am strong moment. He didn't meet the test, though. He didn't meet it. And we have a warning to do so. Remember that. Remember that there is opportunity for God to grow us in righteousness and give us sweet assurance of our salvation as he works through our weaknesses. But if we ignore them, we will never see that God purposefully works in our weaknesses that you and I have for his own glory and for our own good, purposeful working of God.
But we don't just see that God is purposeful here. He is also constantly preparing us for that salvation that he gives. This this really is a part of that first point, but it continues on, and we see it even more in verses 13, 14, and 15. Our relationship with God is father to child. God the Father, we pray, our Father, like Jesus taught us. Our relationship of father to child with God is, is a, um, a revelation of our dependency on God. We are dependents, uh, to use a term that maybe many of you are used to because of taxes, right? How many dependents do I have or how many don't I have, right? Uh, we use that in taxes all the time, but it's very important as we look at the Bible and we see that we are in need of care and comfort, in need of lessons in life from our Father who is working for us, who uh, we're not only depending on Him, but He is meeting that and caring for us. God the Father. Usually, we will pay lip service to God the Father. Yeah, yeah, Jesus told us to pray our Father. Yeah, I pray our Father every Sunday at least. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Yeah, I, you know, I confess that or something. You know, I don't know where it is in the Bible, but yeah, God the Father, right? We kind of have this terminology in this mode where it, it's at least built in, but as children do, and if you're a parent, you know this very well, or if you remember your own childhood, you know this very well, uh, we will begin to question our own dependency. Rather than depending on God, our desire is to be independent of our caretaker, of God the Father, of our worldly parents. Oh, we want to break those bonds, right? And we want to be independent. Uh, As children often do, we do this spiritually. Moses does this. He lacks the trust to believe God's plan. He says, Lord, just please send somebody else. In other words, he's saying, you know, God, I I kind of know that I can't do this. All right. Why don't you listen to me, Lord? You send someone else. It'll be better for you. It'll be better for me. It sounds ludicrous when I say it that way because he's talking to the God of the universe and saying that he knows something better, right? Send someone else. I know that I can't do this, even when God himself tells him he can, right? But we do this all the time. Uh, We question our Father in heaven, sometimes accidentally, sometimes on purpose. I just don't think God could say something like that when we come to a Bible verse that perhaps we don't agree with. Be careful, dear Christian. Are we questioning God the Father? Are we trying to put ourselves not as dependents, but as co-equals with God? It's quick how fast it can happen. And it happens all the time in our society right now. Just turn on the TV and look to someone trying to quote the Bible on the news, and I can almost guarantee you that they're trying to put themselves as co-equals with God. Uh, They are not holding to the scriptural reality that we are dependent on God rather than co-equal with him. Um, This happens, like I said, all the time. Uh, God the Father, in this moment, I hope you saw it, firmly but graciously disciplines his child Moses. It's as if he says, did you not think I had a plan? Uh, That word discipline, it can throw us off, right? In the Bible, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, we see that that God disciplines those whom he loves, and we think, man, uh, discipline, that's not so good, but discipline is very good because that means God cares enough to correct our wrong action. And so what does God do? He reveals a little bit more. 
I hope you saw it in the word. God got angry and then said, oh, by the way, you don't have to worry. Your brother's coming out to meet you and your brother's really good at speaking words. <laughs> uh, what? What? Uh, that's not how I get angry. Uh, but, but God is revealing in a disciplinary moment how good and gracious and merciful he is as he is preparing Moses to grow in faith, to grow in trust, to grow in belief of who God is and of that plan because God is giving salvation. Moses isn't giving salvation. Moses is a sinful man who can't even talk well. And God says, don't worry, Moses. I got this. I wish you would have believed me the first time, but let me show you. Your brother's on the way out. In fact, he's going to be super glad to see you. You're not even going to have to worry about any awkward moments because you haven't seen him in a while. And let me tell you this, Moses, Aaron is eloquent. He is going to be able to proclaim exactly what I give you, and you are going to be able to give it to him. And because you have this sweet relationship that has been built, there's no worry about your own speech impediments. It's okay. I've got you. Depend on me. It's a moment where God is preparing Moses for that sweet salvation and continuing salvation, that growth in righteousness as he continues to call his son. Rather than being frustrated when God continues to prepare us for this, because that's what happens, right? We get frustrated when we're disciplined. Ah, I wish I could have done better. Rather than being frustrated when God continues to prepare us uh, for and in salvation, we must grow in humility, ready to uh, uh, treat being disciplined by God as a blessing, knowing God's purpose uh, in uh, in the movement as he is helping us as children grow into adolescence and adults in maturity. How do you treat being disciplined by God now, though? Do you know God's purpose is growth? Or are we still, as children perhaps, um, looking away in frustration or pushing against that discipline moment? Or... uh, Do you even know when it's happening? Have you been avoiding it for years? Have you been uh, slamming the door every time a discipline moment happens and um, fleeing the situation? Maybe that goes back to that first application question of what are your weaknesses? Maybe these two things go hand in hand. Have you seen that God's discipline, that God's growth and his, his changing your heart and, and, and how it is that you frame your beliefs, maybe, maybe those weaknesses and this discipline combine and help in a growth of righteousness as you move and live and breathe as a Christian following after the Lord, knowing that you're growing from, uh, from righteousness to more righteousness, leaving behind those sins. Think about those two things in tandem as we continue on, because we must continue on. God is purposeful in preparing his people for salvation, but he also provides the salvation. That's our third point, verses 16 and 17. God's provision of salvation is painted all over the scriptures. And here we see a most natural way that God provides. And it's his own word and it's his works. Notice what he says first. You'll see it in verses 16 and 17. I'm going to give you my word. You give my word to Aaron. Aaron will give my word to his people. Here's the point. 
God's word is powerful because it is the very extension of God himself. It's his own character. It's himself revealed. It's perfect. Jesus is the word. The word made flesh fully revealed. It's a very extension. Uh, The sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism is the word made visible. It's this extension of the word. And and so God himself is is extending the word uh, in this beautiful way where he's giving it to his prophet who passes it to his priest, who gives it to the people. Moses and Aaron beginning to reveal that prophethood and that priesthood as this continues forward. But here's the point. Are we people of the word? We have been called in so many places. Uh, I preach and proclaim the word. We have been called in the scriptures and by uh, the world a people of the word. But, but are we at Centennial people of the word? And before you say yes, uh, it's this isn't a right answer moment where I say, uh, what is uh, predestination? And you can answer me. That doesn't make you a person of the word. Uh, uh, how many daily devotions do you do and, and how long do you spend doing it? Oh, you do it every day, right? 15, 20, 30 minutes. That doesn't necessarily make you a person of of the word. God himself is extending out by his Holy Spirit to reveal himself. And as we are embraced by this extension and we come to him in belief, the spirit swells within us and we desire to seek after him and to serve him and to share him with others. That makes us people of the word. But are we that? Are we? Be careful how we answer, lest we are found in pride. May we be people of the word at Centennial, but may we look at ourselves soberly and see what it is that God is doing, maybe even during this season, maybe even during this COVID-19 season. Then there's that second way that God provides. Remember I said word and work. Uh, his miraculous works, uh, which truthfully extend to what I was just saying, that that word given to us, uh, God reminds Moses, take those miracles I gave you, pick, pick up the staff. We, uh, If you weren't with us last Sunday, go back to that, and you'll see uh, uh, me moving through those three miracles that, that God gave Moses, God working miraculously for his people, causing something that shouldn't be to be, uh, something with 0% chance to happen, with 100% chance, and, and how that reveals the very gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's the moment, right? The Word is revealing that miraculous moment of salvation. God's word and his work go hand in hand, right? That's why James says faith without works is dead because God reveals himself in word, which is his work. 
It is the very same as the Spirit moves with it, taking as it were a two-handed sword to divide between bone and marrow, or so Hebrews tells us. We see this reality of word and work playing out in the gospel and playing out here because God has heard his people. He has called Moses to give the people his word, which is his work. I've heard you. I will deliver you. Let me show you with these miracles. Moses, don't forget your staff, right? That's what he tells Moses at the very end. God gives salvation. He is purposefully setting us up, preparing us in order to provide that miraculous work of salvation, which we see in fullness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this series has been about. I know that many of you want me to preach on all kinds of different topics. It might be the flavor of the day for you. Maybe you've been thinking about prayer. You might be looking at the news and saying, why not a ra- Why not a, a, a sermon series on race? Why not a sermon series on justice? Why not a sermon series on sickness? Because a COVID-19. That is not what we need. We need to see what God is showing us in his word, which on every page is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the very gospel that saves your soul and changes all that stuff, health and sickness, justice, race, any of it. God himself must work first in your soul. And before that, we can do nothing because we are hindered and hamstrung, bound by our own sin, unable to do anything but look and commentate and cause sin and strife in ourselves and all those that are around us until the gospel works. And as God shows it in his word, and as we are people of the word, and as we move and breathe because of what God has done, then we begin to affect change wherever we go. There's no need to address it. We are already the change because of who we are and because of what God has done. That's what this series has been about. Exodus chapters 1, 2, 3, in the middle part of 4. God hears his people. God calls Moses, but it's for the purpose of preparing his people for the provision vision of salvation, right? It's those three points. I said it was the series points, and it's this one, purpose, preparing, and providing. God is doing it all, and he is showing it to us, and he shows it to us here, just like he does in all of his word. Here are some final questions for you from this series and from his word. Have you cried out to God? Really? Don't lie to yourself. I can't even see you. You don't even have to nod your head, yes or no. Just answer it in your brain. Have you really cried out to God? When was the last time you hollered out to him with whatever it is you're feeling, joy or anger, sadness or happiness? Have you cried out to God, dear Christian? Here's another one. Have you recognized your own weakness? Truly, have you seen where you're sinning? Have you thought about it enough to consider what the Lord has for you? Have you realized the situations you're in are preparations from God himself? The situation is a preparation because God is in control. God is good. And if you are calling out on him, God is working for you. Have you come to this day? this very day, and have you seen God's provision for you in the Lord Jesus Christ, his culminating word and work? Have you seen it? Because it is for you. God has shown, and he does not hinder. He does not shut the door. Any who would listen 
and hear. Any who would call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Whether you've been sitting in the church pew for 65 years or just one year, whether this is the first time you've seen a live stream or the 50th time, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You will be changed and your life will have such deep meaning that you could never think about going back because that is dust and ashes and this is life and breathing and flesh that moves and acts. It's wind on the face. It's a fruit off the tree. That is life, and you can have it in the Lord Jesus. That's what this series is about. That's what the Bible is about. That's what we're about at Centennial. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you give us salvation. Thank you, God. We can't do it on our own, and yet even in our weakness, you are there purposefully providing that you are preparing us to to grow even more and to reveal the Lord Jesus. But God, we need your help even to do that. And so, Lord, I pray that you would change us from this to that, that we would be more righteous, not because we try harder, but because, God, you have moved in us and we simply are more because of what you're doing. Lord, let it be so today. In Jesus' name, amen.